you are listening to Kubernetes Bytes, a podcast bringing you the latest from the world of cloud-native data management. My name is Ryan Walner, and I'm joined by Bob and Shaw, coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. We'll be sharing our thoughts on recent cloud-native news and talking to industry experts about their experiences and challenges managing the wealth of data in today's cloud-native ecosystem. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. We're coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. Today is April 7th, 2023. Hope everyone is doing well and staying safe. Let's dive into it. As you might notice, I'm here by myself this episode. Uh, Bobin is traveling, seeing family who he hasn't seen in a very long time. So I wish him uh, safe travels, and I hope you're having a blast out there uh, visiting family and we're excited to have you back when you do come back well rested and ready to go. Um, you know, I think this week is uh, for a lot of people who are attending KubeCon, sort of that um, prep week, getting everything on last minute, uh, ready to go for the show. If you're attending uh, KubeCon in Amsterdam, I will be there uh, and happy to chat with anyone uh, who's going to be at the show. So please reach out on Twitter email, whatever it may be, uh, I'm happy to, to grab a coffee or meet up on the show or that kind of thing to chat all things. Um, you know, I was uh, really sick early this this week and over the weekend, so uh, I'm, I'm recovering. My voice is mostly here. I had to push off recording this episode to later this week, um, but I'm feeling pretty good. I've got some, some horsepill antibiotics that seem to be doing its job and um, welcoming uh, the spring. And for those who are golf fans, it's master's week. So, um, always, uh, happy, uh, to, to watch that and really get me in the mood for spring. So, uh, Easter's around the corner. And if you celebrate Easter, happy Easter in advance. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts. So you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um, we have a really great uh, guest on the show today, uh, Michael O'Leary from F5. He's uh, one of the solutions architects there. We're going to be talking about all things uh, community uh, and uh, Kubernetes. And um, we have a lot to talk about there and kind of what he's up to. But before we do, I do have a bit of news to jump into. Um, the first article I have here on the list is uh, Kubernetes storage is getting better. Um, I actually really like this article because, um, you know, obviously we cover a lot of things around data and Kubernetes here on the show, uh, both given Bob and I's background at storage-based companies and sort of our history. Um, Michael Cade, who's been on the show, wrote a great blog post um, posted on the 28th of March um, that it's titled Kubernetes storage is complex, but it's getting better. And I really like this approach to it because it is uh, one of the more complex sort of 
topics when getting into running applications on Kubernetes, right? What do you do with your data? Do you run it on Kubernetes? How do you manage it? How do you uh, protect it? Those kind of things. And along with security and networking, all those other ones. And he kind of lays it out in kind of a short and sweet blog post here in terms of, you know, what is it? Uh, what are the challenges and kind of where we're going? So go take a read of that. Um, yeah, he's a friend of the show, and uh, I think it's a great article. Uh, I want to make sure, uh, Bobbin's not here, um, but he always covers funding rounds. And I think he'd be proud that I remember to try to include and find funding rounds. Um, the one I'm going to be talking about is um, Honeycomb, uh, the sort of observability um, a company announced 50 million in Series D funding. So, um, in in today's sort of VC funding climate, uh, you know, getting funding and good funding is definitely hard um, when it comes to sort of where we are as an economy in uh, this year uh, alone. So, uh, really, congrats to Honeycomb. If you uh, haven't heard of them, really in the sort of uh, observability space. Uh, and and sort of one of the more interesting topics when it comes to what people are starting to care about now that we're seeing mainstream deployments of Kubernetes and, and, and what we need to do on top of our platforms that we've built. Observability is a big one, right? Having sort of insight into everything that's going on uh, in terms of awareness and validation and those kind of concepts. So go take a look at them and, and congrats again on their Series D funding. Um, another one uh, related to the data use case, I think there's a uh, CubeFS um, case study that the CNCF put out on uh, their website. I'll put a link in here as well. Really is around how CubeFS and sort of the, some of the caching optimizations that it has was able to sort of, you know, basically improve a AI training um sort of use case uh, for the data that goes into training the models uh, being cached and those kind of things. So AI is definitely a hot topic right now with, you know, BARD and, and ChatGPT and, and sort of even the segment we've put in our own show with ChatGPT. Uh, so it's uh, definitely something that kind of hits a couple of great topics for me is what's going on in AI and how kind of the pipelines look for developing and training those models along with, you know, um, a a data sort of manage uh, management product and or solution like KubeFS. So go check that out. I think it's an interesting story to read if you're uh, keeping up with uh, things here. Um, the next article I have here um, is written by Daniel Bryant. Um, I haven't met him, don't know him. He's a developer relations uh, employee at Ambassador Labs, but I th really like his blog post here. It's called Why Create a Developer-Focused Kubernetes Platform and How? So um, the article really drives into sort of um, what it means to put the developer first in a Kubernetes platform. It talks about platform engineering, what it does it mean to overcome some of the complexities with Kubernetes, uh, those kind of things. Uh, so I definitely want to uh, put his article out there. I think it's a great read for those who are interested and in maybe our listeners of this community. So go check out his article um, and uh, shout out to him for that, that article as well. The uh, I always like putting 
um, Hacker News threads on the show here as links because I, I find them really insightful, uh, not just for you know how to troll appropriately because there's plenty of that on the on the platform, but some of the topics that drive a lot of interest. Um, and this one is an article that's just labeled Kubernetes is hard, and there's a lot of people that are chiming in sort of, you know, here's here's how it went in my organization. Here's when it, how it went in my organization. It went really well or went, didn't go really well and it introduced all this complexity. And, you know, it, it, this article itself kind of goes into, you know, there are really good things about it. There are complex things about it. There's ways to use it and there's ways not to use it. There's times to use it and there's times not to, right? These are topics we've covered on the show because this is the reality of it is that you can't just throw technology at a problem. It comes organizationally first. Uh, also, you have to evaluate whether Kubernetes is right for your application. So um, definitely go check out this thread. You know, Mind you, you, read, you have to read between the lines with some of the responses, read through who's just there to hate or, or troll. But um, I think it's a really good article or thread, I should say. On, on sort of the topics of, of thinking Kubernetes is hard. Um, another tool that was just introduced by uh, the Kubernetes community uh, earlier in March, I missed it though, is called Quok. I'm probably butchering the name of, of that, K-W-O-K. Um, but the, it's, it's, it stands for Kubernetes without kubelet and it's a basically a learning tool for kind of understanding the the main services and and loops and and life cycles of kubernetes without having to actually run infrastructure so it basically mocks the kubelet so you can spin up thousands and thousands of nodes right um and and see those interactions with uh some of the main services and such uh as a learning tool so go check it out i think it's a really interesting tool if you're looking to kind of get things going on your laptop and kind of understand the functionality of kubernetes and and some of the things like that obviously it's it's limited it doesn't actually run compute nodes it doesn't run worker nodes it kind of it fakes them and mocks them but go check it out i think it's a really interesting tool if you are sort of in that concept and um, uh, in terms of learning and kind of getting your hands on thing, it's, it's appropriate for uh, today's topic, which leads me into um, getting Michael on the show today. So without further ado, let's, let's get him on. We would like to thank our very first sponsors for the Kubernetes Bytes podcast, User Interviews. You might be thinking who or what is User Interviews? User Interviews connects researchers with high-quality participants to provide real feedback on real products. Participants can earn some extra bucks for their feedback, which allows them to have an impact on how the products are actually being built. User Interviews is free to sign up, and most studies are less than an hour and pay over $60. Some studies pay several hundred dollars for a one-on-one interview. And as we all know, who doesn't want some extra beer money for the weekend? You can share your opinions with relevant companies uh, who are building products like Adobe, Spotify, Amazon, and many more. Are you ready to earn some extra income for sharing your expert opinion? Head over to userinterviews.com slash hello to sign up and participate today. That's userinterviews.com slash hello. And tell them the Kubernetes Bytes podcast sent you by using the promo code Kubernetes Bytes. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, Michael, it's so good to have you here on Kubernetes Bytes. We're a week out from KubeCon, so hopefully this will be uh, informative for a lot of people and, and, and dive right in. But before we do, uh, why don't you give yourself a little introduction and uh, for our listeners and who you are and what you do? Oh, thanks for having me on, Ryan. Uh, so my name is Michael O'Leary, and I am the host of the Boston Kubernetes Meetup. And my day job is a solution architect at F5. In my day job, I spend a lot of time talking to customers about Kubernetes and how they can deploy Kubernetes and integrate it with existing sort of workloads. Um, and that, that's what keeps me busy. Nice. Yeah, I know um, you just had an event last night, right? So how, how'd that go for you in Boston? It was great. Yeah. So Google have an office in Cambridge, in uh, right near Boston, and they offered to host us. And that was a fantastic venue. Google always has great offices. We got a good turnout and some great speakers. So uh, all in all, everyone was happy. Great. Yeah. Well, it's nice to have someone else from Boston on this Boston local show. I know we always say we're from Boston, uh, although I'm, I'm, I'm fibbing a little bit because I'm a little outside of Boston. Bob and uh, my other co-host who's normally here, but he's traveling to see family, uh, is uh, probably more truly from Boston. So it's good to have you here. Um, so why don't we dive into a little bit of like, where does your day job and Kubernetes intersect? Like, what do you do day to day with Kubernetes? Yeah, sure. So my day job, like I said, I work at F5 and Kubernetes is um, really growing in the industry, including at F5. So um, there's a couple of ways that we use Kubernetes at F5. Firstly, we have a multi-cloud global platform that can run Kubernetes or integrate with existing Kubernetes. Mm -hmm. So it can um, stitch together multiple cloud environments. It's pretty advanced, um, but that's sort of my favorite topic to talk about. Uh, also, Nginx is part of the F5 family, and Nginx is, of course, ubiquitous. Anyone who knows containers knows about Nginx. So uh, we spend a lot of time talking to Kubernetes customers about Nginx, um, as well as some more sort of everyday things. So uh, when it comes to service mesh or how to integrate with existing service mm -hmm. meshes, even the new hardware that we run um, runs Kubernetes under the covers. So you don't always need to know kubectl commands and that sort of thing to be using Kubernetes uh, at F5. Great, yeah. That's a funny uh, point about Nginx because I feel I feel like even if you're new to Kubernetes in this ecosystem, you've probably seen an example that starts up Nginx as uh, a pretty much a hello world of, of a lot of people maybe getting into Kubernetes, but also those uh, topics that are a little more advanced like ingress controllers and things like that, which also uh, involve Nginx. So that's a, that's a good one there. Um, so you mentioned F5 runs Kubernetes, um, but do you run Kubernetes for your customers or, or are you sort of helping your customers out with their own environments as well? That's a great question. We can run Kubernetes for our customers. So I talked about a global platform, it's called F5 Distributed Cloud, that can run a managed version of Kubernetes. Okay. Uh, but very commonly in my day job, I'm helping customers with their existing Kubernetes clusters. So they'll have, you know, OpenShift or Rancher or some other deployment of Kubernetes running in their environment, and they're looking to take legacy or traditional applications and sort of integrate them. So often there's yeah. firewall or network security type conversations I get involved in with, with network guys and then platform or Kubernetes guys um, right. dealing with each other. 
That's interesting, too, because I, I bet because of this, right, both the global sort of way you run managed Kubernetes across clouds, assuming those are the sort of major offerings, AKS, EKS, those kind of things. Is that true to say or... You're saying AKS, EKS, and then F5 has something similar? Is that what you're saying? Or uh, is, are those the versions of managed Kubernetes that you run, or do you have your own sort of uh, uh, built? Sure. We, we have our own build. So okay, we have, gotcha. Um, yeah, a, a compliant uh, distribution of Kubernetes, um, as well as a virtual Kubernetes, so sort of a namespace as a service offering. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, but yeah, I could I could talk all day about that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I know we're here to talk a lot about sort of the community and what you've been involved in and how uh, people can get involved and, and give back. So we can switch gears to that. Um, and I think let's start with um, uh, really a general topic about how you're involved in both Kubernetes Boston. I know you have some ties to some other CNCF uh, groups as well. What's it like, I guess, getting involved in the community? And can you kind of talk about, you know, your journey uh, in from getting involved to now running, uh, you know, a group like Kubernetes Boston? Yeah, absolutely. I can talk about my journey. So, um, it was around 2020, I'd say, so fairly recently that I sort of began my Kubernetes journey. And I started talking to customers, usually trying to integrate F5 big IP uh, appliances as an ingress solution for existing Kubernetes clusters. So I got to know Kubernetes networking fairly well. And then somebody suggested that I become CKA certified. And sure. my first gut reaction was, I don't need that. Um, <laughs> and of course, I was wrong. I took CKA certification and um, I learned a whole ton of things about Kubernetes that I had no idea about. And sure. it really gave me a lot of confidence in talking to uh, customers and people in the community about Kubernetes. And so I decided to run a study group to help some peers of mine um, also pass the CKA exam. And it was a big success. And one of the peers um, decided to do the same thing and, and went on to host his own study group internally at F5. And together, we started to get a bunch of engineers certified um, in, in Kubernetes. And yeah. at around the same time, we thought we could do this for the community. Mm -hmm. So I looked online and I uh, went to meetup.com and looked for a Kubernetes group. And I noticed that there was one in Boston that hadn't met since the pandemic. Mm. And that's very true for many meetup groups. A lot of yeah. meetup groups went dormant over uh, the pandemic. So I emailed the, um, the uh, leader of the group and said, is it okay if I take over your group? And he said, sure. And um, I became the leader of the Boston Kubernetes meetup. And that's really the, the most community facing or sort of public role that I think I have today as the leader of the Boston Kubernetes meetup. Yeah, that's that's a fun and interesting, I guess, path into it. Uh, maybe uh, easier than than some others. Hey, can I have this? <laughs> it's like, yeah, sure, good. Um, what what did that sort of mean to you once you know you kind of were green lighted for this community? Have you run one before? What were some of the challenges, kind of um, bringing this back to life after you know we've been you know dormant, as you said, uh, with the pandemic. Yeah, it's a really interesting journey, and I'd love to share some tips and what I've learned. So I took over a dormant meetup group, but it turns out that I didn't have many contacts in the industry, and yeah. um, I wasn't really as hooked in as to the community as um, as I am now. 
So the first couple of months were a lot of emails and phone calls from me asking people to present at a meetup or to host a meetup. When you're getting any sort of initiative off the ground, there's usually a lot of work you have to put in up front. And so there was a little bit of that. It took a, a bit of personal follow through, I guess, or a bit of get outside of your comfort zone in my mm-hmm. case to sort of ask people to sponsor or um, you know, these sort of questions that most engineers don't normally have to do. Sure. Um, after a couple of months, we had a couple of meetings. Uh, the first one was small, and then we got some, you know, some moderate sort of group sizes. Um, the last meeting we had, there were 56 people in attendance, which is pretty good for a, a meetup in the post-COVID era. Sure, yeah. Um, so the, we've grown the group, and um, I think we've got fantastic momentum now. We've got some really good speakers. Um, and I think the the best is yet to come. Yeah. Yeah. I know, um, prior to the pandemic, you know, there was a, a lot of interest in meetup groups. I know at, at a couple different startups, I was participating in them in several cities and they're always a lot of fun because they're not huge events. Uh, I'd say, I'd say, like you said, 50 something is, is a great size. Uh, but the intimate kind of, um, setting is actually one of the benefits because it gives you a chance to really meet and, and build relationships. And that's kind of, I, at least personally, how I see sort of meetup culture, um, and the benefits of it, obviously, you know, we want to be able to spread any, you know, jobs and those kind of things and, and kind of interest. Um, but I think that the smaller bit, of, of how these things usually grow uh, is great. Uh, although it sounds like Kubernetes Boston is, you know, coming back to life. Um, you know, what's next, I guess, in your mind for, for this community? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, first I'll respond to the part about uh, sort of community and, and what people get out of um, a meetup. I agree that networking and just who's hiring, you know, who's mm-hmm. looking for a job, that's something that I always make an effort to uh, pause in the middle of a meetup and ask the audience, hey, look, who's hiring? Who yeah. is open to, to looking for a job? And um, I, I remember as a young engineer in Boston myself, I was able to do some networking at these sorts of meetup groups. So I really appreciated the host's um, ability to give that opportunity to someone that might not feel like speaking up or may not be able to get around the room and introduce themselves to every single person there. It's yeah. also great for employers that are looking uh, to hire engineers. You can meet them at these, at these meetup groups. Uh, and then to the second part of your question, what's to come? We've been meeting every two months, yeah. um, but I think I'm going to make that a little more frequently. I'm going to make that every six weeks or maybe even every month in the future. I don't need someone to come to a meetup every single month, mm-hmm. but there's so many topics in the world of Kubernetes that if I just have two or three speakers at every meetup event, that's only a couple of slots per year, really, compared mm. to the number of topics yeah. that there are to exploring Kubernetes and how often yep. those change. So I think I'll have um, slightly bigger meetups, perhaps, and more frequent meetups. Uh, and then there's a couple of areas that I think we could um, we could probably do more to reach the community. I'd love to see some underrepresented groups um, presenting. That would be really um, that'd be really nice to see. And I, I know that there's a lot of support in the community for finding people that are you know, minorities and having them present if they, if they so choose. Uh, and then there's a couple of conferences that are coming up. And um, apart from KubeCon, of course, which is very large, yeah. I don't know of too many um, smaller or medium-sized conferences. So I'd love to see some sort of other events um, outside of just a meetup in the future. 
Yeah, that can that can take advantage of existing communities out there. And I know Boston also is a big educational sort of city. You know, when you think about Northeastern and Harvard, I wonder if there's an opportunity for students to come. Um, I know there often is students who attend um, just to learn, uh, which is actually great to see. Right. I, I know it's a resource that I kind of wish I knew about when I was doing, uh, going to school back then and then and, and kind of being able to kind of see what uh, a potential potential future path would look like. I think that's super valuable. So um, definitely something worth getting into. Now, you mentioned the CKA study group. Um, I know uh, the certified Kubernetes admin is one of many certifications that um, folks are after uh, in the Kubernetes space. And it is often, uh, um, especially if you're new to Kubernetes, quite daunting of a task when you start reading into it. Uh, there are several resources out there that are paid for, right, which can help. Um, but I really like this idea of a sort of community study group, because a, when you're kind of building something off an existing community, like a local meetup or a local group, that means probably those people are nearby physically where you could potentially you know get together although it doesn't necessarily have to be in this day and age so tell me more about sort of what this study group is what it means to you where it's held and how it works and where it's going i guess everything else sure uh so like i said i became a certified kubernetes administrator about uh, two years ago and I decided to kick off a study group at first internally at F5. So I, I trained or rather led and uh, the attendees sort of trained themselves on all the skills that are needed for uh, to pass the, the CKA exam. Um, we in practice have met usually once per week over Zoom and we'll meet for between six and 12 weeks, depending on how long we want to spread out the study. If we meet um, every... Uh, if we meet twice a week, then we can probably cover all the material in five or six weeks. But if we meet once a week, we might take longer to longer, something like 12 weeks to pass, um, to pass the CKA exam. Of course, everybody uh, has different strengths. Some people come in already knowing 50% of the knowledge and some people um, like me start with a pretty blank slate when it comes to Kubernetes knowledge. Mm -hmm. So um, people tend to take the exam at different times. Uh, but to your question about, um, public facing and, and um, how the community gets involved. Mm -hmm. After one or two iterations of this study group internally within F5, we trained a bunch of engineers um, and I thought I could start training customers and members of the general public. So I opened up the invitation to first the Boston Kubernetes meetup and uh, just recently just to the general public um, and I actually had some help from uh, a colleague named Jason Rahm who is leading a study group after being an attendee at a study group just recently and passing the exam himself. He decided Great. he'd like to do this too. So he um, does a couple of things that are public facing. So if you go to community.f5.com, you can often see articles and podcasts and videos and live streams done by Jason Rahm and his colleagues. Uh, and he's going to be running the next study group for the community, uh, solely for the community, you know, so uh, it's, it's pretty cool. That is cool. I like that whole aspect of sort of taking something that you're you're passionate about in your day job and and making it sort of something that other people can get involved in. Now, I'm curious as part of the study group, is there a general content sort of guide? Do you follow what's 
out there publicly in terms of this Kike? How do you go about, you know, finding the content because it's it is changing you know uh with every release it seems like and i know uh the ck does kind of come out with you know different versions behind the releases but i'm curious how that works yeah sure so for those that don't know there's this organization called the linux foundation and they are the parent of the cncf or the cloud native computing foundation and the cncf are the group that that administer the certified kubernetes exam so that's sort of when I use these terms to give you some context, this, the CKA exam is pretty tough. So there are some easier certifications that you can get if you are a beginner. Uh, and of course, there's um, much more you can do after becoming CKA certified. Um, so how do we find the, the material to study? Um, mm -hmm. The CNCF website does provide a template for what will be in the exam. So they give you some categories and some rough weightings. They tell you security will be X percent of the exam and roles and RBAC will be Y percent of the exam, so forth. Uh, so it would be possible in theory to study for the exam completely alone. However, it's unlikely someone would do that. You can purchase, when you, when you purchase your exam, which costs um, usually a couple hundred dollars, uh, from the CNCF, um, you get the option to also purchase a course from the CNCF. So that's one option. Um, however, there's multiple um, private online university type type sites. So I used um, a cloud guru, yeah. which I think used to be called Linux Academy. And um, most recently we've started using Udemy. They have a really great sure, CKA yeah. prep course. Um, and that's one that we found has a great depth of knowledge. And then when, if you take the Udemy course and you pass the sort of mock practice exams that they give you, you should be in great shape for the real exam. So usually right. I encourage students to sign up for that course. And then um, the last thing I'll say is when you do sign up for um, the CKA exam, you get two attempts at the exam itself. Plus yeah. you get two practice exams at this site called killer.sh. So with mm. two practice exams and two attempts at the real exam, you're in pretty good shape by the time you you have your last attempt if you need it at the real exam. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's something about, you know, you have a certain amount of time to retake the second, right? Uh, you can't just like wait another year or something. At least the, the last time I looked into it since since doing it. But um, yeah, and, and killer is i believe uh one of the ways you can try hands-on right it used to be katakoda or something like that um which is a really nice kind of tool if you're if you don't have access to a kubernetes cluster and you kind of need something like that uh it is a really nice um way to get into it so um you know there's there's the concept of both these communities that you've been a part of both are generally, I guess, in in perspective, new to you, um, and you seem pretty passionate about this. It seems like there's a good sort of opportunity for mentorship, and I'm wondering if you know there's folks out there looking for mentorship, or if you've done or provided that kind of um, you know feedback for folks. What does that mean to you? Oh, it's really important. So just today we had a study group meeting. And there's this one member of the study group who started out not really knowing too much about Kubernetes. Mm -hmm. And at the last minute, I had to lean on him to say, hey, can you present this topic on storage? Sure. And to see him 
uh, take the reins and show and explain to the rest of the group how storage works um, was was really nice to see how far he's come. So mm-hmm. it means a lot to me to see someone uh, develop their Kubernetes skills in the same way that I've been taught or mentored, um, you know, in my own career. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I've spoken to other people about how I might be able to scale this more, and I don't know that I can have bigger study groups. The small sort of intimacy of a small study group really helps uh, hold people accountable. Um, mm. And in a large group, people tend to zone out a little bit, especially when we're meeting over Zoom. So I think that if you were to scale this out, what you would need to do is train some people and then have those train others. Sure. And um, we have that now. So uh, I mentioned a colleague of mine, Tony Marfield, who um, was the first to sort of take he was part of my first study group, mm-hmm. and uh, then he has led multiple study groups since then. And Jason Rahm is another colleague who has now taken it upon himself to run some study groups. So it's a nice sort of movement. And, um, of course, when you lead a study group, you don't want to admit it, but you end up learning a lot yourself. Um, yeah. And sometimes you end up becoming that expert that you were kind of pretending to be to begin with. So it's, it's kind of a nice loop and it yeah. all comes back. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, everybody, I, I feel, learns a little differently, right? Um, we all have sort of individual ways in which we pick things up. And when you're teaching or explaining, you know, it's like, can you explain cloud to your grandmother or five-year-old, that kind of question. Um, everybody kind of, you think about it a different way. Uh, and so the more people you interact with and stuff, I imagine it's it's sort of enlightening to yourself, as you, as you said. And uh, the accountability, I think, is a big part of it, right? Um, I think back uh, when I started this sort of journey myself, I think I used something called Code Cloud. I don't know if you've heard of them. Um, they have a, a another CKA kind of course. Uh, Mumshad Menabeth does a really great job, I believe. Is yeah. a little plug, little plug for him, I guess. I, um, a plug for him. He's so fantastic. Yeah, that his Code Cloud course is um, sort of makes up the content of the Udemy course that we studied. Oh, okay, yeah. It's it's just a fantastic yeah. um, site. And um, his mock exams are also a really helpful uh, resource when you're practicing. Oh, so that's also the Udemy course then. Is it uh, taught by it him? Is or actually, is it? Okay, yeah. yeah, okay. I didn't know that. That's funny. Yeah, I always really enjoyed his style of teaching. It's very clear, crisp, uh, and the and concepts come across really well. So that's, that's funny. Small world there. Um, so I guess if if someone's looking at a, uh, we'll take this in two parts. If something's someone's looking at joining a study group or interested in their CK, where does someone start? Well, you know, it may not be your study group specifically, but you know, given that you've you know worked with various people, where could they start look to? Is there other groups or ways they can find their own study groups, so to speak, if it's not you know yours? Sure. Um, so I take it that's part one. Yes, and, that is part uh, one. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So what I did, um, I was suggested you know, by somebody to become CKA certified. So I did exactly that. I sort of yeah. Googled around until I found how to become certified. 
um, I actually took a couple of courses. I did the uh, Linux Academy or Cloud Guru course. Mm -hmm. uh, and I also sort of scoured the internet looking for practice exams and sort of free little labs here and there. And I found, you know, maybe a question here and a four or five questions there. But um, I settled on the Udemy course that we, we study. So I would recommend that. Um, I would also recommend reaching out to people that you know um, and asking them for advice. And one thing that in practice really, really helped me is one day I, I sat down and I thought, I've got to be able to build a cluster from scratch with no help. So um, instead of using any courseware, I deployed um, Ubuntu, three Ubuntu machines in AWS, and then read a blog. I just Googled how to build a Kubernetes cluster and uh, followed everything that I read in, in you know, some random blog and, and learned a ton of stuff along the way. I went down some rabbit holes, learned yeah. about Linux, little things about Docker that I didn't know. Um, but building your own, getting hands-on, building a project, even if it's just a silly Hello World project that you show your grandma, um, that will uh, go a long way to helping your Kubernetes skills as well as, of course, your general skills. I'm curious, does um, Kelsey Hightower's Kubernetes the Hard Way come up in your class? Do you ever use that resource? Um, we haven't actually used it, but it does sure. come up, of course. Yeah, he's yeah. a super popular guy. Yeah, I think back in... Um, Oh, wow, it must have been like 2015 or something like that. Early days, I know his resource has been around a long time. And if you are looking to really get down in the nitty gritty and understand everything, that is a great resource. And it does apply uh, very well to the CKA specifically, not less so to the other certifications. Um, and that kind of it's, this is not part two. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to insert one in another here, but is the study group just for the CK or is it targeting other certifications like the security focused one or the application developer one? Yeah. So like you said, there's a CKS exam and a CKAD exam. One's security and one is for developers. And to date, we have not been aiming at either of those two. There's sure. also an associate level uh, CNCF um, certification you can get. But to date, we've just focused on the certified Kubernetes administrator. Uh, but I'd be happy to, to run a study group looking at some of these other certifications. I think once you get people on their way, they can then decide if they want to specialize, if they want to take it further, and so yeah. forth. So a couple of people that have uh, been part of study groups that I've run have gone on to achieve CKAD certification, but that's been on their own. Yeah. And it's not like CK is a um, prerequisite to any of those, right? But it's a great place to start, I feel like, because it's it's the OG cert, right? <laughs> I guess you could say. That makes me a gangster. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And it does cover a lot of, I think, what might be applicable in the others. So uh, that's good to know. Well, Okay, part two, I'm going to come back uh, finally to this one, is, you know, we talked a lot about your involvement in some of the communities in Boston, and there may be someone out there listening and saying, you know, I've really wanted to either start my own community, or I want to be involved, and there doesn't seem many around there. Now, what are some of the things I think that you picked up on that someone really needs to to understand if they want to start a meetup? Maybe there isn't one that exists, right? What would you say are some of the sort of uh, challenges and or things they could, they could go about doing to get something going themselves? Yeah, sure. So I remember that it's easy to start something. It's really hard to follow through and keep doing it consistently. So think 
a lot about if you're ready to start a meetup group and keep it running. But if you yeah. are, I wholeheartedly encourage you to do so. What I did is reached out to people. I started with people that I knew from work who put me in touch with other people that had spoken at conferences or that had run meetups before or were maybe they were involved with the CNCF. And I more or less reached out to everyone that um, I could and most of them I didn't know before. Uh, so it took um, some amount of stepping outside of my comfort zone to do that. And I asked for advice uh, from people that ran meetup groups or conferences in mm. Philadelphia or Montreal or Toronto, places that are physically close to me because I figured that if I wanted to, I could drive to one of these cities and attend one of their meetups and then just copy what they did. Um, so you're welcome to just copy what I do. If you want to start a meetup in your city, you can always reach out to me. Um, when I started, I thought that maybe I could also copy the content. I could just have a speaker that spoke at a different meetup group speak at mine. But in reality, our speakers have tended to be local folks. So mm -hmm. that didn't really happen as much as I thought it might. Um, but yeah, if you're looking to start something, I would say start small. Um, if you want to become an organizer on meetup.com, it's a monthly fee, but it's probably not going to break the bank. You might even be able to get your workplace to pay for it. So you become an organizer on meetup.com um, or you can reach out to the CNCF. They have community chapters that you can join or you can put your hand up and offer to lead a community chapter. Um, so there's a couple of ways you can go, but it all starts with um, some initiative to sort of get out of outside of your comfort zone and, and be an organizer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's good advice. And maybe before we kind of start to wrap things up here, I'd love to hear your point, pointers or perspective on sort of what community means to you, both, um, you know, being a part of it and maybe what it does as a, you know, for you and your employer in your day job, right? Is there benefits there as well as sort of just generally being a part of it? Yeah, sure. So I'll start with what community means to me. I think back to when I was younger in you know, my working years, I would attend this community. It was the Boston Security Meetup and it was really popular. And there were a couple of people that I saw present and I thought that's a fantastic topic. And I would take it away and I'd read about it the next day at work and maybe yeah. I'd dive into the topic myself. So community to me is helping younger or um, engineers that are in the, in the community that might be looking for a job or might be just starting out. Um, of course, they don't have to be young. They can be you know, towards the end of their career and looking to make a career change. But mm -hmm. helping out someone that wants to take a, take a different direction in their career um, is, is really important to me. And then you know, I alluded to this before, but also people that might not have a natural um, opportunity to do so otherwise. So if um, typically you know, we've got a fairly male-dominated Sure. Uh, industry yep. that we work in. And um, a couple of times I've seen uh, some young women that really, really are smart. And mm -hmm. I love to see them present and um, I love to see them being recognized by other people. So, so that's really important to me. Um, and then your second part of your question, what do I get out of it? That's a great question. Um, so everything that I do is free or unpaid, so to speak. Uh, but that doesn't mean I don't benefit. Um, so there is no sort of charge if you were to join a, mm -hmm. a study group or come along to a meetup event. Um, in fact, usually we put on you know, free food and free drinks, so you get something out of it. Um, but there is some benefit to me. Um, mostly it comes in the form of um, you know, learning by osmosis. It turns out that I have to 
think about the topics that are going to be presented by other presenters. Sure, so I end sure. up yeah. reading a ton about these topics and sort of getting to know a lot. There's, of course, the networking benefit. Um, I work at F5, which is a fantastic place to work, and they support me in these community efforts. Uh, sometimes some of our customers do show up to our meetup groups, so that's always nice. We get this sure. sort of benefit of um, a, a better connection and a, and a personal relationship with some of our customers. So there is a little bit of um, uh, karma, I hope, um, coming back, um, and, and more or less that's the sum of it. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, we all are part of a community and we all have, for the most part, hopefully day jobs that um, everything sort of interacts. But I feel like there's uh, every community that you're a part of, even if you're involved in Kubernetes or CNCF, most people you meet are representative of some company, right? So uh, we're all kind of collectively in it together, so to speak. Um, and and on that, um, I do want to uh, give a chance for people to um, find you. So uh, wherever you are easily found, give uh, folks listening a way for them to get a hold of you or or read more about what you're doing. Cool. Thanks. Well, it's funny because um, I think we spoke about this, but with a three and a four-year-old, I don't get very much time <laughs> for social media. So uh, sure, yeah. probably LinkedIn is the best way to find me. My name is Michael O'Leary. I work at F5, so you should be able to find me on LinkedIn. Uh, if you go to meetup.com slash Boston dash Kubernetes dash meetup, you'll be able to find our meetup. You can actually message me over that platform as well. Um, otherwise, reach out through the grapevine, however you however you'd like. Yeah. And if, if you want to get a hold of Michael and you haven't found, we'll put all the links in the show notes. Uh, you can always reach out to us as well and we'll connect you. And I think it goes without saying to all of our listeners, uh, maybe if you are somewhat near the, the, you know, New England area and you want to come present on a topic, whatever that may be connection to Kubernetes, probably a, a good place to start is to reach out to Michael, uh, because I think, you know, going forward, we'll probably be looking for a lot of new uh, types of speakers and maybe something you haven't thought of yet. So, all right. So this brings us to the, the chat GPT question. Now, I know I sent this ahead to you, uh, so you can choose to answer this or not. But um, this week's chat GPT question uh, related to the topic we're talking about here is the, we asked it to come up with a question related to Kubernetes and kind of learning and community. And the question it came up with was if Kubernetes and a group of learners went on a road trip, what kind of adventures would they have and what lessons would they learn along the way? Would you like to hear its answer? Or do you have, have one yourself? Okay. <laughs> so we asked ChatGPT to answer this itself, right? This is kind of the, the whole concept here. And it goes, if, if Kubernetes and a group of learners went on a road trip, they would have a lot of exciting adventures and learn some valuable lessons along the way. And here are a few possibilities. The cluster breakdown, in quotes, it has. When a group's Kubernetes cluster crashes in the middle of a trip, they learn the importance of backups, redundancy, and disaster recovery planning. <laughs> Uh, the next one is the load balancing challenge. Again, in quotes, uh, when they encounter heavy traffic on a highway, the group has to figure out how to balance the workload across their fleet of vehicles to optimize their journey. I'm not sure I fully understand that one. But the next one is the networking conundrum, maybe something F5E here. Um, when they arrive at a remote campsite with no internet access. They have to work together to set up a local network and troubleshoot connectivity issues. <laughs> uh, that, 
funny. Yeah, there's a, there's a few more here. We have the configuration conundrum. Uh, when they stop at a roadside diner for lunch, they discover that the restaurant's point of sale system runs on Kubernetes, and they have to help the owner troubleshoot a configuration issue. For, you know, that's a very likely one. Actually, you never know. You could be on a on a cruise ship somewhere and have to have to help the Kubernetes ship. Um, uh, the containerization conundrum. I think the conundrum thing is a, is a theme here. When they visit a theme park and have to wait in long lines for rides, they come up with a creative solution to containerize the queues and optimize wait times. Again, not sure I fully understand that one. Um, but this is the end. This is as uh, overall, the group would learn the importance of teamwork, problem solving, adaptability as they navigate the challenges of the road trip together. So this is this is uh, Chad GPT's take on uh, learning, apparently, with Kubernetes on a road trip. So... <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. I think the next study group will have to be, you know, on a road trip. Maybe I can check out from Boston <laughs> to your place, Ryan. Yeah, there you go. A uh, little little uh, trip out west here. Totally, totally fair. Uh, well, this has been fun, Michael. I think uh, hopefully our listeners enjoyed it too. And again, if you are looking to get involved in the community, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Michael, again for being on. Thanks for having me. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. All right. Well, you know, Michael was, I think, a great guest for the show, a perfect guest to have on before KubeCon. Uh, and we'll have like basically a small break um, in the next couple weeks because we're going to, I think, skip a week. Or maybe we won't even, but the next show will be a KubeCon recap. So if you aren't going to KubeCon and you're interested in Kubernetes and what's going on, uh, Bob and I always take sort of that week's big announcements, the the musings, the you know where people are paying attention, some of the things that are attracting people, maybe some of the things that were released at KubeCon, and we talk about them on the show um, in a full episode. And so it's a good way to kind of come back and, and recap. But you know, I think Michael being on the show talking about community and what it takes to get involved in the community, how to build a community and, and be a part of one or, you know, even start to get involved if you want to get hands on and technical and take your certified Kubernetes admin. I think the main takeaways for me is, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to reach out and get a get involved in your local community, get involved with the people who are in your current network, uh, because likely they're part of something and or want to be part of something as well. And, you know, it just needs a little bit of momentum to start rolling down the hill, so to speak. So, um, you know, thank you again for uh, today's episode. And with that, uh, brings me to the end of today's episode. And I'm Ryan. And thanks for joining another episode of Kubernetes Bytes. Thank you for listening to the Kubernetes Bytes podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.